Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Hi, I'm Mike Massaro, and we recently did a live streamed version of one of our free 633 events. We had to because, well, you know, the coronavirus building shutdown regulations. The following's what took place at that event. So here's Pastor Michael with guest professors and me at the event called Navigating the Times. Mike Massaro, you are a tremendous voice of walking truth. Thank you. And there's uh, actually three Italian guys on this side of the stage. So I feel good about that. And uh, before I get into our opening scripture, I want to welcome our Living Truth family. I want to welcome those of you who are part of our Walk in Truth family. And uh, if you heard about this event somewhere along the way by a friend, welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. We hope that you'll ask a question or benefit from the questions we know you will that are asked tonight. Uh, before I share 1 Peter 3.15, and please have that uh, ready if you have a Bible with you tonight, and I hope that you do. Uh, we'll be in 1 Peter 3.15. Let me introduce our very special guests who are theologians and apologists, Biola grads, and we're starting with an Italian guy named Tony Costello. And my first question is, do you sell pizza by the slice? Well, no, because in Chicago, you always cut your pizza in squares. It's you squares. You should know that, being from Chicago. <laughs> but I, in honor of my father, I have to say that my last name is actually Irish. Is it really? So it's my mother's side that's 100% Italian. Okay. Perino. I have a little German on one side of my family too, but yeah. mostly Italian. So anyway. At least halfway there. We digress a bit, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. So, well, thanks. For, it's great to be here, Pastor Michael. And Mike, thank you for the introduction. Uh, so my name is Tony Costello. I'm from uh, the south side of Chicago. Originally, I grew up in a very devout Roman Catholic home. Uh, but at the age of 34, after sort of falling away from faith for quite some time. Uh, I stepped into my first ever evangelical church. I was in the military at the time. And I had a, uh, not, I didn't come to Jesus, he came to me. Let's put it that way, a Jesus coming to me moment, uh, where I had a vision of the Lord and he spoke to me and he called me. And that was the day of my new birth in Christ. That was about 10 years ago now. That's and awesome. uh, came out here after the military and did two degrees at Biola, or Tablet School of Theology. Uh, master's degree in apologetics and in systematic theology. Awesome. Dr. Jacob Daniel, welcome. We're glad you're here tonight. You've actually spoken at Living Truth before and yeah. taught a class for us as well as Tony and Jim, who we'll introduce in a moment. And we have something called the Truth Academy, and you guys have all been part of that, and that's a tremendous blessing. And one of the things that we did is we, uh, we all agree that the local church needs to be more in the equipping uh, business for the average uh, churchgoer, if I can put it that way. And so you guys have been part of that, and you've given of your time and your giftedness towards that. We appreciate that. Dr. Jacob Daniel, uh, let's, let's have you go next and introduce yourself and a little bit of your story. Let me start by saying this. Usually when I'm speaking to an audience, I shock them by telling them that I'm Italian. And I, have, I love to see the expression on their face. Um, so um, thank you so much for this opportunity, and thank you for the introduction, uh, Mike. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, so I'm Jacob Daniel. Um, I grew up in India. I've been here in the United States for about eight years now. 
I've had the privilege of being born and raised in a Christian family. Um, as a minority, uh, it had always been, I would say, a privilege uh, to stand for the faith and defend it. And that's what got my interest in apologetics. But I had a transition from uh, studying and working in the area of international development and then came to theology and philosophy later in my life. And uh, um, God kind of exposed uh, me and my wife to different cultures since we've been married. And um, that kind of birthed a desire in our hearts to, for the Western world. And that's why we decided to be missionaries here to the West. And we set up a ministry called Heritage Council. So I'm directing that ministry uh, with a vision to advance the truth of Christian faith and to promote its excellent, uh, uh, excellence in public life. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad that God put it on your heart to come here to America. And we need all the help we can get, uh, Jacob. Amen. <laughs> so we're glad that you're a voice here. Thank and, you. and it shows you that, you know, the one person's life used in service for the Lord can impact so many lives. And I know that each of you have a heart for the nations. You have a heart to see people come to the Lord. That's why we're here tonight. We're not, we're not here to try to show our cleverness or whatever. We're here so that people can have true hope in the true God of the Bible. Exactly. And so with that, Dr. Jim Johansson is also with us. He's taught some Truth Academy classes as well. And uh, you're a great uh, servant of the Lord, always willing to help and, and be a blessing. So introduce yourself, Jim. Pastor Michael, appreciate um, for First of all, it's been a real pleasure for me to, to be part of the ministry here. Kind of it's um, sort of a victory lap for where I've been in the last 10 years. I've um, have an engineering background, really was interested in science, but I really wanted to start to bring in my faith, apologetics. And so my wife was working at Biola, and so for me to do classes that I had to get in a degree program, it sort of put me on a path that I wasn't quite expecting that's where I would be going. So I did a degree in science religion, then did a degree in um, Christian apologetics and loved it. It was really wonderful to be able to think about a lot of these things very deeply theologically, mm -hmm. spiritually. And when I was done there, I wanted to keep going. I really liked the fellowship and what I was learning, and I wanted to have a, a larger impact. And so I went back and got a PhD in theology and apologetics. <clears throat> and so one of the areas that I'm really interested in is, is the intersection of science and religion, science and Christian, Christianity. That's been a real passion, as, as well as just thinking deeply. I like to use a term of thinking theologically. How does it, if I'm theologically informed, what does that do for me in terms of understanding the things around us, including nature, getting more insight on that front? And so I think it's a very interesting talk that we're going to have that we can begin to get into some of those areas of intersections. Amen. And uh, I think your science background will be helpful, especially in light of uh, talk about epidemiology and Things related to the virus, I know that uh, you're not a medical doctor, but you have some science background, and that, that can be helpful as well. As we really wrestle with navigating the times of you know, where we're at, I want to start us off with a scripture, and Mike, you've laid out how people can ask questions, and just for a reminder that you can submit your questions on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. This is 1 Peter 3.15, and it's written to a suffering church, and here's what it says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And what's interesting, gentlemen, about this verse is that um, the, the previous verse says, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. 
and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. So the setting of 1 Peter 3.15 is interesting to think about because it's the most famous apologetics verse that a lot of us who got into apologetics probably heard that verse, probably heard the Greek word apologia or apologia. And, you know, we're often running with the defense of the historic Christian faith. But that verse was actually written to a suffering church that was giving an answer in the midst of suffering. And the church has had really 2,000 years of difficulty and persecution and uh, tension, you could say, in society and trying to navigate uh, our witness and the witness of being an ambassador and giving hope to people. So that's what we hope to do tonight. And uh, Mike, we're going to ask you to fire off questions at us and we'll go from there. All right. Uh, question number one I'm going to pose to you guys is uh, somebody, somebody wrote in, they said, I, I have Christian friends that question my faith because I'm struggling with fear of exposure to COVID uh, because I'm caring for a family member who's at, at risk. Does my fear to go out in public mean that I have weak faith? And how do I navigate my fear alongside my responsibilities? Tony. Well, I'll start off, but maybe I think everybody might want to chime in on this one, which is a very pastoral issue here. Um, well, first of all, I would just like to say that I think we all have weak faith. I mean, this is not unique. I mean, we all struggle with some fear in our life, and I don't want to sound flippant, but you could just ask your friends, well, what are you, what are you afraid of, and where are you not being faithful? So don't, I wouldn't worry that this is something unique to yourself. We're all going to struggle with some kind of fear. Um, now, that being said, uh, I would worry less about what your friends might be saying, and listen to the Lord and what he might be saying to you in this time, because that's where your encouragement's going to come from to strengthen that faith, if it does indeed need strengthening. I do think the Lord will want you to do good in the world. That's what he wants from us. He does want to challenge us and to step up and rise up and do the noble thing in life. Um, but the strength will have to come from him. So so be in prayer about your situation and go to the Lord first so that if you do feel that maybe you're weak and nary, he can strengthen you and you can go forth and do what he's calling you to do. But don't worry about just being afraid. That's just common to all of us. And, you know, you, you mentioned that the question is pastoral and I want to give you guys an opportunity to chime in, but I have a couple thoughts. Number one, let's not give the devil an opportunity to divide us at a time like this, church. Please, let's not do that. We were out in a prayer meeting earlier and Romans 14 came up and there's some matters of conscience here. And, you know, um, there's some debatable matters here. And what I, what I hear in this specific situation is a difference between fear and wisdom. Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. caring for someone with a compromised immune system or someone who's susceptible to this uh, virus, then that's wisdom. And, you know, we've all heard the stories about sometimes, you know, running away from a fight is not necessarily fear, it's wisdom. Because right. usually if you get in a fight, you're still going to get beat up one way or the other. So I would say to you that if you have friends that are quickly throwing Bible verses your way, and we can all be good at throwing verses, you know, at people, but we, we need not to be poor counselors like Job's friends, right, who are poor comforters. So let's make sure that we use the right word in the right moment for the right reason. And I will say to you, uh, personally, when this all started happening and they were talking about this thing being 10 times more contagious if 
uh, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out, but we were hearing all kinds of stories and uh, more deadly than the common flu. I was a hand-washing Nazi <laughs> and I have young men in my household and I was saying to them, take your shoes off before you come in the house, you know, have you washed your hands? I was on top of things and my son who's in the sound booth can attest. And, and I may have been a little over the top, but I was trying to be wise and careful. So there's a, there's a balance here, right, guys? With, yeah. uh, go ahead, One Jacob. One thing that I'll add is that we need to check whether our fears are warranted or not. What do I mean by that? If our fears are drawing us closer to God and helping us to put trust in Him, not getting uh, bogged by it in a way that we are self-reliant and depending on our own self, that's how I think we need to discern as to what kind of fear how can we turn that fear into wisdom, as you said, right? And, and um, questioning our faith is not justified at this point, I think. We need to be checking where our fear is and deal with it, uh, with this discernment, whether that fear is going to lead me to the Lord or away from Him. Mm. And Jim, just before I lose the thought, because I'm getting older, I heard a pastor say that the fear of the Lord should quash or squash all of our other fears. And I like that thought. And that may not solve everything in every practical matter, but I love the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. Let that fear drive my other decision-making. Go ahead. Well, just to play off on that and then a few other comments, um, just the idea that perfect love cast out fear. When we really feel the love of the Lord the fear just melts away. And so I think there's a lot of things that are being said in this question that I really like. And even if you look at what did the, the Lord do with the disciples, first, just the, the idea, they come under, unto me all who are heavenly laden, I will give you rest. You have to come before you can go. And then it was go make disciples of all nations. They had to be put in a place where they were ready to be involved in ministry. So I think that's one thing. It, it, maybe if you're in a place where you're, you're, you're not sure if it's, if it's right, you're, you're, you're scared, where are you at with that? So that's one perspective, and it's very important. It's perfectly fine to, to be there. But there's also examples, and I think Tony mentioned this a little bit. There will be a time, and for some people the time is now, that they're willing to go out there. People are on the front line. They're, they're going out. People are working in hospitals or, or taking food to, to whatever, and, and people are risking their lives. The early church did that. There was plenty of plagues that were, were going on, and they felt that they really needed to, to show the love of Christ. And I'll read a, a scripture a little bit later to, about that. So first of all, just be honest with your feelings. It's okay to be in that place. The Lord wants us to, to own that. But there is an opportunity for us to begin to step out in faith there, there's a concept called the Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God, and God created us to be a real part of what he wants to do in the world around us. And it's so exciting to be acting upon that. But you want to be ready to, to do that. So I think that's probably enough for, for right now. Yeah, um, and Jim, I think that's, that's awesome what you said. And fear can paralyze us oftentimes. But when we have more information, and I think what's happened with this uh, pandemic is that more information is coming out and that helps us maybe with our decision making and knowing what's truly a risk and whether you know there's a balance we don't want to test the lord we don't want to be silly or do things that you know could put us in a dangerous position and then say well the lord's you know going to protect me uh we we need to be wise and prayerful as you guys already mentioned but we don't want fear to paralyze us but there's so many scriptures about 
Don't be afraid. That tells me that's because it's something we all wrestle with. We're all, we all wrestle with fear. Go ahead. Well, and I think there, there are, you know, it's hard. To, we don't know all the details of the questioners, what exactly is going on. Because is it fear of the questioner catching something or maybe the fear of the questioner bringing something mm -hmm. to the loved one who is ill? Right. So there, um, and we just don't. So, I mean, one, one could be a fear for myself. Another could be a fear for a loved one. And th those are a little different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I may feel more bold in going out and I'm, you know, I'm in decent shape. I'm fairly young. I maybe I'll, even if I catch something, I'll overcome it. But then, you know, my almost 80 year old parents, that's a different story. Yes. And I don't know. You know, I might have a fear for a loved one. So there's some complexity here, too, that we always have to take into account yes. in order to be wise. Amen. Uh, may I just read just one um, paragraph yeah. by Dietrich Bonhoeffer? He is writing in his letters and papers from prison, and this is what he writes. I discover later, and I'm still discovering right up to this moment, that it is only by living completely in this world that one learns to have faith. By this worldliness, I mean living unreservedly in life's duties problems, successes, and failures, experiences and per perplexities. In doing so, we throw ourselves completely into the arms of God, taking seriously not our own suffering, but those of God in the world, watching with Christ in Gethsemane. That, I think, is faith. And if that's what you're doing, standing along with the person that you're helping in faith, um, God's with you, and he's going to sustain you even through this. Amen. One of the things you mentioned in that paragraph is living in this world, and I know there was some talk before um, before we, we, we started tonight about whether or not we're going to wade into something that might come across or is, you know, pretty obvious on its face, political. And uh, like you said, we're living in this world. We're, as Christians, we're not, we're not living in a bubble. Um, and so it is a part of our lives. So while we might not want to make something into a political, um, uh, you know, point of view, it's it's got to be, you know, at least mentioned um, because we're just living uh, in this world that we live in. So the question number two that we're, I'm going to ask right now is, why didn't the church invoke its First Amendment rights uh, by remaining open during the pandemic? And... Uh, Scripturally, did the church leaders forsake the assembling of the believers, like it talks about in Hebrews 10.25? And is attending church essential? Those are really good questions. You guys want no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Five minutes, guys. <laughs> well, let me just say, and, and I, can, I can start with this one, is because it was asked about the church leaders. So when this first started, uh, and, and I mentioned, if you want a reference, if you haven't heard me speak on this topic, I dealt with this not this morning, but a week ago on a Sunday morning. And I used the word tension for a reason, because there are some biblical tensions about government and our submission to government and even scriptures like Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which is really have been at the center of this debate and the church's response. And I'm going to throw that word tension out there to tell you that we were, uh, we were looking at things in tension. For example, if you have a plague that's extremely dangerous to people and by opening the doors and uh, comments were being made as, you know, information was flying in every direction and you're seeing... Uh, footage of ERs where people are on ventilators and they're dying and there's body bags. And so 
you know, everybody, I think every citizen of the U.S. that I can think of at that moment probably uh, just did this because they wanted, they went into protection mode. There was so much mystery about uh, what we were dealing with with the virus. And so, you know, our, one of our greatest uh, commands by the Lord is to tend his people, to tend his sheep. So that's at least the first part of my answer. Right. I, so I want to talk more about some, some general principles here of maybe the role of the church vis-a-vis the government. And, um, you know, a couple other passages that have been, have been getting a lot of attention the last eight weeks are Romans chapter 13, the beginning of Romans 13, and then First Peter 2, which talk about this, uh, the church is uh, be, having to be not just respectful, but almost subservient to the government, um, lest we do evil. Now, one thing that I think does need to get pointed out is that uh, the governmental structures of the time of Peter and Paul are, were quite different from today. And we're talking about Imperial Rome, probably with the Emperor Caesar Nero at the time of mm-hmm. the writing of those epistles, who, if anybody's just watched a few movies about ancient Rome or read a few books, knows this was not a very, this was anything but a godly man. I mean, he would, not even in the eyes of pagans was this man uh, in any way moral or decent. So in one sense, Peter and Paul, I mean, um, it's admirable, right? I mean, they have this horrible person in charge. They have to rely on God's providence that this is ordained by God and we will do what we can under those circumstances. Because Romans 3.8 also says, we can do no evil so that some greater good come. We can't do evil because Christianity has always recognized that there are things that are intrinsically evil. Mm-hmm. And you can't do an evil so that you get some greater good. And what's, but now, what has changed from the first... The only option, other option for Paul, Peter and Paul then was violent insurrection. Well, that's been precluded from their pool of options because they've seen the king of glory go to his death in order to defeat Satan, the king mm-hmm. of this world, or the ruler of this world. So there's no violent rebellion. The only option is to be subservient and hope that their Christian character from within will change the structures of the times. And yet, Tony, we would say that Peter and John do take a stand when they're told not to preach the gospel, right? Right. When there's, all, when there's outright direct, right. you can't preach the gospel. They do take the stand. Yes. Now, what has happened, though, in the last 1900 years is... What, the, what Peter and Paul did in showing, in showing Christ to that world, Christianity has won out. Now we have participatory government. Yes. I mean, we have a government that we, we, don't, we can change. We can actually affect it. In, certainly, not in, we don't need to use violence to do so. So I think when we ask the question, who is the church? We ask two questions. Who is the church and who is the government? It's the same answer for us today. We are. Mm -hmm. We are the church, and we are citizens of the nation. We are the government. So that sort of changes the context for us today in looking at those passages. So when we come to the First Amendment of the Constitution, which is to govern our land, this is where the questioner is saying, well, did we... Did we, uh, kind of punt, you know, when we should have been meeting? And, And my answer is, well, we were... We're holding some things in tension. That is the greater good because we didn't have a lot of information we about what was respectful happening. of our elected officials yes. who are elected by us. Yes. And they probably had more knowledge than we did. So we respected that. But then there's times to voice 
peacefully voice dissension as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, otherwise, you know, we could wind up with injustice on our hands. And we are called to fight injustice as the church as well, not just for our own sake, so we can worship on Sunday, but for the sake of the broader culture as well. You're listening to Navigating the Times Part 1 on Walk in Truth, a recent live-streamed 633 event. If you'd like to watch the event, you can subscribe to our Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. So visit walkintruth.com and click on Church. That's walkintruth.com, click on Church. And while you're on our website, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of your support. That's also how we're able to do the 633 apologetic events like you're listening to for free. We understand that times are uncertain right now, and that's why we're only asking for a small donation. So if you're a new listener, please don't feel compelled to give. We're blessed just that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe the Lord's faithful, and your $5 donation is going to go a long way to help keep this ministry going. And by the way, a huge thank you to Orlando from Bellflower and Caesar from L.A. for your donations this month. We're also very grateful to our new and longtime monthly partners, so we're blessed by everyone who gives. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. And if you'd like to become a monthly partner for at least $5, that's much appreciated too. Again, please visit walkintruth.com, click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com, click Donate. And thanks for believing in our mission to equip the body of Christ. Now, come back tomorrow for part two of our special 633 event called Navigating the Times. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.